Running with Jake, the podcast. Because every runner needs the occasional plot. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. Welcome to the show. It is indeed another episode of Running with Jake, the podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation. In fact, it is not just another episode. This is. Wait for it. This is the London Marathon special. Yes, that's right. We can't ignore it, folks. It's happening this coming weekend. Very exciting indeed. Of course, it's not just about London. There are other marathons around the world. I realised that we had Berlin at the weekend, just gone. I had some of my runners over there doing that. That was very exciting. There's lots of marathons everywhere. It's just that autumn marathon time of year, isn't it? But look, we are going to focus a little bit on the London Marathon today, but stick around because even if you are not doing London, but you have your eyes uh, on a different marathon, then we're going to give you loads of tips and tricks and thoughts, especially centred around those final few days. You know, kind of the last sort of three or four days leading up to the marathon when you're all a bit kind of excited, a bit nervous. You're not sure whether you need yet another poo. It's just a weird time, isn't it? It's just a weird time. I need the toilet again. (laughs) As a non-marathon running guy, I can imagine that, um, you know, this particular advice is not necessarily specific to actually running within London postcodes. Mm. It can be applied anywhere around the world, like you say. And that's good. That's good. That is very true. But look, regular listeners to the show will know that we really like to fill you full of High quality value. Give you tips and tricks, get you feeling better, educate you on the subjects of running with our great guests. Uh, And not just where running's concerned, the actual physical sport of running, but also the things that surround running. You know the stuff I'm talking about that all runners love, like coffee and morning habits and routines. And if you did listen to the episode last week, by the way, you'll know that we did get into a rather... Mm, kind of a little bit of a random chat, wasn't it, Pete, about morning routines. And I have this weird thing where I actually like a cup of tea in the shower. I know it's a bit odd. Yeah. Your wife, who, uh, she well, she's not into running as such as she, but she's into a fitness. She does spin classes with yourself at the local gym. She was eating cereal in the bath. That's what started the whole conversation. That was potentially a bit odd. I shared my tea in the shower yeah. thing. I told people about Martina, who has an espresso on the toilet, which I still can't get my head around. And I did say, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, if you're a bit weird and you've got a weird thing going on... I didn't say if you're a bit weird, but I said, if look, if you're a normal person, but you've got a bit of a weird thing, like weird morning habit routine thing, then let us know. Drop us an email. Of course, I was joking. You did say that, and it was a joke, of course, absolutely, because only rubbish shows would do that and dodgy radio stations. That's what they do. We'd have a phone in now, wouldn't we? The phones would be in meltdown when you do something like this. (laughs) The phones would be in meltdown. And we don't want to fall into that category, do we, of, like, silly, cheesy... However, 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 I must... (laughs) No, please stick around. We're going to talk running and marathons in London, all that sort of stuff. But, but, I have to play this message that I got from one of my runners. Have a listen to this. I'm halfway through your podcast today, so that's good. I did like the little bit about your morning habits. That was really funny. I am. Um, I always go to the bathroom, but I've got a little table outside my bathroom that I put my espresso on. Go to the bathroom, and then I get my espresso when I come out. So that did make me laugh when you were 
telling it, the whole world about Martina's habits, but funny. <laughs> All right, Jesus, bye. Who is that, Jake? That's, that's, that's Nikki. She's awesome. Nikki is actually a coach as well, so she gets it. She's totally into her running and other people's really? running, helping people. It's great. But look, it just goes to show people get it. People get the score. I mean, that to me sounds like a proper routine. You know, it's a really considered approach, that is. I have a little table mm. to put my espresso on. The first thing I thought was, what a weird shape that table must be. Because to be practical, I guess it's got to be kind of at least knee height, maybe sort of in between, like mid-thigh height. But the circumference of the table, mm. if it's a specific table for the espresso, the morning espresso, that must be tiny. That's, that's I mean, that thing's going to topple over. That's a really odd-looking table. You see, you're picturing a very specific table for um, an actual, just, just, a, just a cup and saucer of espresso. That's what you're picturing. In my mind, um, Nikki has a massive landing and she has this, uh, what, I, what I and other middle-aged people will refer to as an occasional table um, <laughs> with maybe a, a net tablecloth over it and maybe some, um, some, some flowers that are in season. So, like, say, I don't know, like in spring, some bluebells or something like that, a little pot of bluebells, and then she pops her uh, espresso on that table. That's what I pictured. So we pic- we pic- we're picturing different things here. Hey, we all have a thing. I'd love to... I'd, I'd... <laughs> so, 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 Nikki, if you'd like to write in and send us a picture <laughs> of your table, that would be much appreciated. I mean, that would massively help our uh, our subscribers, wouldn't it? We would have so many people listening and following our it little show. It would massively help make us sound more like a radio station than we do already. My yes. God. Hey, listen, Nikki, I appreciated your message, to be honest. And, uh, yeah, just stick with your morning routine. If it works for you, go for it. Absolutely go for it. Look, we should move on, shouldn't we, and talk about the London Marathon. It is happening. People are feeling, I'm sure, I know, they're feeling a bit nervous, excited, all these things. Have I done enough training? How's it going to go on the day? And, oh, my gosh. It's a really weird time, you know, this kind of weird three or four days out from the race, especially if you've never done anything like the marathon and you hear so many things, particularly about the London Marathon, like the spectacle, it's just huge, isn't it? But I think there are some things to seriously consider now, you know, as a coach I often talk about well look like the work's been done now which of course it has been but it doesn't mean while you're not building fitness that you can't just refine one or two things and just get yourself in a good place more mentally than physically in many respects ahead of the race and and, and again we say this but it's not just about London of course if you're doing any other marathon those final few days are key and resting is just one of the biggest things you can do. So focusing on really, really good sleep. Now, it's not easy. I know some of the runners that I coach, they're training for different marathons. Berlin, they've just done London, Chelmsford coming up, Chester. But trying to do what you can, controlling those control laws, having good kind of pre-sleep routines, you know, staying off the screen, getting off Instagram. Don't be scrolling through Strava too much to see what people are doing, especially late at night. Got to try and get as rested as possible. And remember, a lot of experts say this, and I completely agree, actually, that the night before, the night before the race, is the most important night for sleep. So let's say it's a Sunday marathon, London, obviously. So don't worry about Saturday night. Because you probably won't sleep anyway. You're going to set 50 alarms. You don't want to miss it. You're going to be thinking about, you know, getting your espresso on that table in the morning. You're not going to sleep (laughs) very well, the odds are. But if you sleep really well on the Friday and you've had good sleep leading up to in those final few days, you're going to be absolutely fine on the day. It's like, it's like a, a, a tough day at work, isn't it? If you wake up, for example, you've got loads on, but you didn't sleep well. Well, if there's only one night of bad sleep, you can function, can't you? 
And I think it takes that pressure off as well, doesn't it? Because it's always like the night before, God, I've got to sleep. And just, I think by you saying, you know, you have permission to have bad sleep that night before because none of us have particularly good sleep. It's about the night before the night before. What a great phrase. Give yourself permission to have bad sleep. Love that. Yeah, but the problem is, now the night before the night before, you don't have you don't have permission to have bad sleep unless you want to move it the night before that. And that that can't be done. That should not don't mess with the formula. It, it is that taking pressure off because there will be naturally a degree of pressure that by the way just comes purely from yourself nobody else nobody's putting pressure on you it's just the thing that you've conjured up in your own mind which i totally get uh, but just almost saying to yourself on the saturday Meh, well you know if i don't sleep it's not the end of the world doesn't matter it's okay because i've had good sleep leading up to this point and, it, and the odds are you'll probably sleep better better than you would have done if you hadn't have given yourself that permission to have a poor night's sleep and to take that pressure off. So it's definitely something to be aware of, I think, with that. I think obsessing is very easy to to do in those final few days. I've done it myself, and I've ran, I don't know, like 15 or 16 marathons, something like that, and I probably raced, I don't know, maybe 10, something like that, 9 or 10. Others I've just kind of done for fun type thing. But when you're racing it and you want to do well, there is that obsession. Oh, my gosh, do I change things the last minute? Or my friend's having these gels now, maybe I do that. Or I've actually got this strategy on the day, but I'm I'm wondering whether instead of taking a gel every 40 minutes, maybe I take one every 50 or every 30. And And you're just starting to mess with things a little bit too much. It's like with the weather. It makes sense in these final few days just to check the forecast for the Sunday. What's going on? How does it look? But don't obsess about it. I think I've shared this before in an episode, Pete, that 2010, which was London, my, my PB year still, that on the day, the day before, so the Saturday, I'm walking around London, it's like super warm, like proper warm. I'm in T-shirt, got the shades on. They're reporting a heat wave in London the following day. You know, this is the day before. So you would assume the forecast is pretty accurate, right? Came to the Sunday. So I'm panicking, by the way, thinking, oh, it's not going to go well. I've trained really hard. I feel like I'm in good shape. I want a PB. Oh, doom and gloom. This is not going to work. Got to the Sunday, literally got to the starting line or the race village. It hammered it down. So I was absolutely soaking wet. I was like, well, I didn't expect that. That wasn't forecast. And then it dried very quickly, as in it it stopped raining quickly, and the conditions could not have been better. So it just goes to show, keep your eye on it, the forecast, but don't obsess. Then I think you need to look at your goals a little bit. Now, I say this to a lot of my runners at the moment. When we first set out on a journey, we have these goals in mind. Want to do a marathon. While the goal doesn't have to be time-related, by the way, for most people, I think it is. They want to attach some form of time target to it, and that's fine. That's great. But I think it's worth revisiting that periodically throughout the training because things change, don't they? Training might not have gone, might not be going as well as you anticipated or wanted. It might be going better than you anticipated. Maybe you did a couple of half marathons or a 10K or something in your training where actually you exceeded your expectations. That can happen. Well, then maybe there's a chance that we need to look at the goal and refine it. So I think this is an ongoing sort of process. Have a starting point with the target and refine it as you go. In those last few days... Hopefully you're not going to be radical with this. You know, you're not going to suddenly say, right, I'm going to target it 20 minutes faster or something ridiculous. But I definitely think it's worth just looking at the weather forecast again with a relaxed approach and a relaxed attitude, factoring that into it. You know, are the conditions looking good? Are they saying it's going to be super hot, super, super windy, which is obviously going to have an impact on your pace? Reflect back over your training. Just get it in your mind. Because I think when we're in training, you're in training, aren't you? So you just... For most of us, focusing on that 
session we've got to do, that session on the plan that I'm scared about doing, that, oh, it looks so tough, so challenging, I've got to focus on that. We don't often stop and reflect and look back at the sessions. And I think if we do, many of us will look at the negative sessions. I think it's easy to look at, oh, what we're not happy with, oh, you know, that, that didn't go to plan, or that was a bad race, or whatever. Whereas look at the things that did go well whether they exceeded your expectations or whether they matched your expectations, they're big fat positives that you need to have in your mind because that will give you confidence. Pete, you already mentioned about taking some pressure off. Well, having that awareness, looking at your training and the things that you've done well, because there will be things, even if training's not gone to plan, it rarely goes to plan. But having those sessions in your mind, and don't blow your mind, it might just be one or two sessions. You know, pick one session that you did in the last five weeks, on the basis that you're probably going to do a bit of a taper for two or three weeks, hopefully, bring the volume down, a bit of intensity. Look over the course of the last five weeks. Is there one session that stands out where you say, that was a pretty good session, that was. That was a decent long run or, you know, whatever, the midweek tempo run, threshold session, something. Just give you a bit of confidence. Look at how it went. And then you might want to refine your goal just a little bit. I think having three goals, as I mentioned many times before on on various episodes of the podcast and on my social media channels, having three goals is good. Some people call them A, B and C goals. I like to call them dream goal, real goal, which is like your more realistic one. And then like a fair goal, which is a time you're kind of okay with, you know, you see goal. Get those lined up. Just look at them, get them in your mind, refine them a bit. And here's a, a really good tip. Often when we're looking at target times for a marathon, we think, right, well, it's 26.2 miles, so uh, what time do I want to achieve? I would work it out based on 26.4 miles because the odds are you're going to run a little bit further. Now, if it is London that you're doing, that if you've never done London before, there is, I think it's a blue line, there's certainly a line painted on the road that they put onto the road which shows you the shortest route through the course. If you're into your Formula One, it's like clipping the apex of every corner. You want to take the shortest route because of course if you're running wide corners and zigzagging overtaking people dashing to the left and to the right to grab water and gels from the aid stations and you're going to add more distance on so you want to try and minimize that you're never going to run i think 26.2 miles but you want to try and minimize how much further you go because that can be significant i mean that's the difference between getting under four hours and running over four hours you know it's that sort of thing so just be aware of that come the day as well you want to be trying to minimise the course, the the distance, but base your time on 26.4 miles because then you'll work out your pace. You'll give yourself a little buffer, if that makes sense. It's really, really helpful stuff. Check out the race day plan as well. So you you know where you are target times-wise. You you know what you want to do. It doesn't have to be time, by the way. It could be simply you want to complete it without walking. Great. No problem at all. A fantastic goal, that. All up for that. But get those things in place in your mind and then finalise what you're going to do on the day. Now, hopefully, you've, you've got this in place anyway, but you just need to go over it. Are there any train, st- train strikes that we're hearing about a lot? You know, the tube, is everything running as normal? Is the hotel all good if you're staying in a hotel overnight? You know, do you know what for what, what's for breakfast, what's available? Don't be a passenger. Don't just wait and leave things to chance. What, what can you control? Quick email, quick phone call. What time is breakfast from? You know, you need to know all these things. And, and again, I think it will just help you settle your mind. Now, with London specifically, you have to collect your number. This is, honestly, Pete, this is a it's a crazy thing when you go to the expo, right? So 
uh, the expo runs for a few days before the marathon. You go and collect your number. I mean, it's just, it's brilliant for runners. They love it because you're just in a massive environment full of loads of other runners collecting their numbers. There's different brands and companies there with all giving out freebies, selling running shoes. It's, there's different talks going off. They have some like famous athletes there. It's really cool. But if, if you're not careful, you can end up spending a lot of time on your feet walking around, which you don't want to do. You want to try and avoid that. So if you can get to the expo early, and by early, I mean not on the Saturday, which most people do, I think. If you can go kind of earlier in the week, I know it's not convenient for everybody, definitely do that. If you can't, you've got to go on the Saturday. Needs must. Just be mindful of it and, and try to focus on the goal, which is the marathon, not wandering around the expo. Doesn't mean don't go and have fun, but just be careful. And be organised with the food as well. Don't just think, oh, I'm going to the expo, so there'll be loads of stuff there, there'll be a pasta party going off and they'll they'll have different foods available, and they probably will. But again, you're leaving things to chance. There's everybody else there probably with the same mindset. You don't know what they're going to run out of. You don't know how big the queues are. You know, I just think when it comes to preparation in those final few days, do what needs to be done rather than what you'd really like to do. So I'll give you a personal example. Myself... And, and Martina, my girlfriend, were doing Valencia. Uh, another one of my runners is doing Valencia as well. It's going to be great in December. Never done it before, right? So I'm starting to get those things in place now. We've got 10 weeks, got ages. But I'm starting to just line things up. Right, where are we staying? What are we doing for breakfast? What's happening here, there and everywhere? But in those days before, even though it's a new place and we're flying over there and I'm really excited to see Valencia, I, I'm, we're just going to stay mindful of the race. And then we're going to focus more on enjoying the city and doing what we want after the race. You know, let's just focus on what you're doing. Focus on the priority. So I think that can definitely, definitely help. That there is really good advice because um, and I, know, I know I'm not a runner and I know if I were to go to a runner's expo thing, I'd be like, oh, it's just a bunch of running people and numbers here. I'm not really bothered. Oh, there's a pasta party. I'm not bothered. Where are the burgers? Um, but, I mean, from personal experience, I can tell you that any kind of expo I've been to, and uh, I'm thinking back a few years now and I used to go to computer game expos. Mate, honest to God, you could walk around that place. I, I used to go to the NEC, go to, go to Insomnia, at the NEC and you're walking around there for hours hours and you're collecting all the freebies and you're just on a like a a full on OCD I've got to have every free thing that I can possibly have and every carrier bag and I've still got PlayStation mats that I've never even used (laughs) you've got to get these things in your mind and and be very logical and smart with your decisions because look ultimately the goal matters right I mean I, I mentioned I don't know, 15, 16 marathons or something like that. Might be slightly more. I've not raced all of them. So the ones I haven't raced, I'd be messing about around the expo and having fun and chatting to people and the pressure's off and and that's fantastic. So if that's you, brilliant. Absolutely no problem whatsoever. Mm. But if this is your first marathon or it's something, so therefore it's the unknown, or if it's a marathon where you really want to go for it, you really want to smash a time, you want to do as well as you can do whatever that means, then things matter more don't they i say this in training as well like you can afford to be more relaxed you can afford to not run as much you can afford to be you know spend the saturday uh, periodically on the golf course if that's what you really enjoy doing because actually it doesn't really matter about the long run as much on the sunday if that makes some sense whereas if you really want to go for it everything needs tightening up so it's a it's it's choice remember you know this is important to note it is a pure choice but if you've come this far and you've been super committed you don't want to be messing around with things like the expo and spending time on your feet. You know, that stuff, like, if you want to go go round, if you want to go around the, the cities and check out what's happening and, you know, Berlin recently and stuff, get on get on an open-top bus. 
you know, it sounds daft, but just do something where you're staying off your feet. It's, it's all about balance. Mm. You know, you don't want to go too far the other way as well, where you're not even moving. So if, you, if you've got a big car journey and you're stuck in the car and you, you, you feel like your hip flexors are seizing up, your calves are getting tight because you're just in that fixed position. And then you get out of the car and you just, you try to stay off your feet as much as possible. So you sat down again. You don't want to go to that degree either, to that extent. You want to be, keep some movement, but be smart, conserve energy. Yeah, yeah. And and I suppose when you go to the expo as well, if you do get yourself some trainers, uh, some running shoes, um, don't do like the kind of thing that I would definitely do where I have absolutely no class whatsoever, uh, where they say, oh, put them in a box for you. You go, no, no, don't bother. I'll put them on. Put my old ones in a box. <laughs> I said, stop <laughs> wandering around in your new running shoes and then use them on the day. And because I, I presume you need to break them in, do you? I don't know. Do you? Oh, it's it's a funny one. I, I would, look, if we're... It, Ideally, you want to err on the side of caution with everything. Don't even go there when it comes to new trainers <laughs> on a Saturday. I mean, look, I, I'm going to say this, right? And this may divide a bit of opinion. But I think if you are, let's say you've always used the same trainers, as in model-wise, all the time. I know you've literally used the same trainers, people. Yeah, for the last the 30 that, years. They're different. They've done me well. <laughs> they're different trainers. <laughs> but the same make and model, and they haven't changed that much, then the odds are, the odds are you probably probably be okay but do you want to risk that I, I don't i don't know if you do want to risk it i certainly wouldn't want to risk it and if you, if it's a completely new pair of shoes that you never had before you're not familiar with the make or the model i wouldn't even just don't even entertain it it's just not worth it again stick to what you know stay safe stay smart you've got to get to that starting line and you've got to get to the finish line now you know you come this far you want to you want to complete it so on the on the day itself so i want to give you some thoughts that i have when it comes to race day so hopefully by now you know exactly when you're going to wake up, you've got your timing sorted, really just nail down that nutrition plan. And I'm talking leading up to the race. So this is before you even start. But on the morning of the race, breakfast, including fluids. And I really would do this. Like, yes, I think trusting your thirst to a degree is helpful on the morning of the race. But have an idea of, of what that morning might look like in terms of fueling and hydration have a bit of a starting point does that make sense because there's less to think about then especially if you're staying over if you're not local to your marathon you know let's say london and, and you're traveling and you've got a hotel or an airbnb you just you're in a new environment there's lots of stuff going on you're thinking where your running kit is and you're getting everything sorted just you don't want to have to be like guessing when it comes to breakfast work out your timings and as i always say work out when you're going to finish your breakfast so not when you start eating it or not when you think about making it you know i'm gonna have porridge because that really works for me before long runs great i'm gonna do that on the day okay that's cool um it's probably gonna be about this time no when are you when are you having it and when are you going to finish it because that's really important isn't it because you want to time the window i think you want to control that that window of time from when you finish your breakfast to when you are next consuming something whether that's a gel in the race or something like that or whether that's some other form of fuel that you're going to have just before the race starts and log everything while it's fresh in your mind just roughly you know a scrap bit of paper in your phone or wh wherever it doesn't need to be like you know beautiful notes you can refine them and, and edit them and change them after the race, you know, maybe on the Monday when things are fresh. But it, it straight away, just log those timings and stuff because you can use that for the future. Even if you've said, oh, I'm never going to run another marathon. Well, experience tells me for most people that's not the case. You know, then they get the bug or they're up for another one. So you want to then reflect back and refer back to what, what 
worked well for you during your first marathon and also what didn't work well what would you change so log all that stuff even if you don't do a marathon it might be a half marathon you're going to do in the future we're still useful obviously you need to make some changes different race distances but it's useful information so get that all nailed down and get the hydration nailed down because although plenty of toilets on the course of course you know if you have to stop for the toilet you're going to stop for the toilet but given a choice do you want to stop or do you don't want to stop you'd rather not stop wouldn't you you know ideally so try to put yourself in that situation try to avoid having to stop for a wee basically Mm. so you don't want to be consuming fluids all you know because you've heard it's good to stay hydrated so you're just smashing hydration the whole morning right up until the race well you're going to be stopping aren't you for the tour and things so just be aware of that as well and time that window again so for me i know 90 minutes before the race start i don't drink anything just before the race starts like literally i'll have a bit of water so i normally take some water with me don't really like using plastic and disposable bottles but on the rare occasion i will during a marathon and just before i'll have you know take some to the starting line i might have 200 ml something like that just a bit of water before i start and then i'll obviously top up during the race just minimizes that chance of having to stop because you don't want that it can really mess with you i remember something you said to me um ages ago and i don't know if you said it directly to me or if you said it on a podcast uh, but during my um brief running journey one thing that i just remembered was you used to say to me you you hi- you hydrate yourself the day before it's nothing to do with that particular morning really to some degree that is absolutely true Pete. You, you you don't want to be just trying to put right all your wrongs on the morning of a race because oh i need to eat well and carbohydrates and i need to hydrate and i need to you should just just try to do that generally i mean don't power drink you're not guzzling liters of water we know that can cause problem during races hypnotremia we've spoken to lots of guests on the show about this so so you don't want to go too far the other way but just keep keep hydrated and keep things simple as well just you know when you go for a pee what color is your urine it's as simple as that isn't it you're looking for you know pale straw colored ideally you don't want it completely transparent and clear because that's like overhydrated, you know so just keep the basics and as you said pete just keep hydrated like generally don't go mad on the saturday before but just be mindful of it you know it's just those smart relatively simple simple decisions really to be fair i'd never go crazy with hydration anyway because you know what bladder with like mine and uh, just like i have to pee at least three times in the night it's it's become ridiculous i'm not even 50 yet (laughs) <laughs> don't even go there so yesterday right we, it's monday we're recording this mm. and yesterday uh i i did goodwood so you, you can see it on strava if you search running for jake i did the goodwood 20 miler which is a, a run-through event never been to goodwood before in chichester mm. we loved it so i did it with martina and it was a training run like a genuine training run it wasn't a race we did 20 miles and we put in bits of threshold so that was the idea behind it mixed in with easy running if you look on Strava, bear in mind it's like eight laps of the course. Mm. So just, it should be a perfect map on the Strava map. You know, just see loops and loops and loops. No, there's me dancing and jogging and running and plodding around the car park <laughs> midway through. Probably three or four times as I wait for Martina to go to the toilet. We said we're going to stay together. She's like, oh, I need a wee, need a wee, need a wee. They didn't have the whole portaloo thing. It didn't really need it. So it, like the race village area you have got like just the only toilet so we had to dash and i'm running around the course it messed up my strava map which was really annoying but martina's <laughs> like that she she honestly like i really tried to like i said to her yesterday i said look you've got to really nail down 
like on a serious note, your, your mm. hydration timings, because she's a bit random with her, like fueling before. You know, I'm a, okay, I'm a coach, but, and I'm an experienced runner, but I'm also her boyfriend. So, you know, not all the information is going to get through. Not all the information is going to stick. She's not going to be like receptive to all of it. And I do try to encourage her just to get those timings right, because otherwise you end up stopping in the races with said, and then it just, it just eats into your time, you know? So I think you've got to try and stay, stay smart with that. So I've done all the pre-stuff. As far as actually getting into it is concerned, do you warm up? Because I know, obviously, you do. If you're doing a 5K or something like that, I got myself into the routine of, like, warming warming up and running around the block, probably doing a K before a 5K to get myself warmed up. But a marathon, like 26.2 or, like you say, 26.4 miles or even 0.6, it's a long way. Do you need to warm up for that? Is that something you'd do? This... This really divides opinion, okay? And unfortunately, like with many things where running's concerned and questions surrounding running, the answer is often, well, it depends. So it is massively individual. And just to note, most of the majority of my marathons that I've raced, I haven't warmed up. So I've I've warmed up in the race. Yeah. So I've used the first couple of miles to get warm. Arguably, it's not really a proper warm-up. Arguably I'm probably working a little bit too hard than is than is truly a warm-up in those early stages in a marathon. So I think there's a couple of things here. I think you've got to find what works for you. The problem with that is it's a marathon, so you don't do marathons very often. Like, for most people, if you're looking at doing well, you can't just drop them in like you can a 10K. So things tend to matter a little bit more. So there's more concern over testing stuff because there's a risk attached to testing because it might not work out and it might cause problems and then it could hinder your finish time and experience and yada, yada, yada. So it is a difficult one, but unfortunately the only way to really know is to actually test it. The second thing is, I think you've got to look at where you are as a runner and as a marathon runner at that and, and be very honest with yourself. So how, how fit or experienced are you? What sort of level of marathon runner are you? And, and it doesn't matter particularly at all. We're all different. It just matters that you know and then that can help you consider whether you warm up or not. Because, for example, if you're quite an experienced marathon runner and the pace that you run at for your normal, your normally easy pace that you do your long runs at, how does that compare to your marathon pace? So the, the target time that you're aiming at and the pace you've got to run at, what's the gap that you've got to bridge there? Is it quite big? Because if you're an experienced marathon runner, it might be relatively big. Relatively. Yeah, so you might be looking at a minute or something per mile, which is quite significant. So if I think about me, I wouldn't get out of the door and just run straight away at marathon pace in a training run. I would because that'd be too stressful. Like I just I don't even run at my easy pace straight away. If I'm doing like an easy run, I don't just go out the door and start straight away at that easy pace. I start like super super slow. Again, you'll see this on Strava. Like it's all my first mile is always like so much slower than the rest and then I get sort of quicker throughout and get into the, like, that true easy pace so, so you've got to f- consider that as well I think if that is you and you're similar like there's a difference between your easy pace and your marathon pace and it's significant then you might want to consider doing something ever so gentle the other things to factor in are it depends how far away the race start is from where you're staying because if there's a lot of walking involved well that's not you know that's a I guess that's a component of warming up potentially it's not it's not warming up as such but you'd need to factor that into it because obviously you don't want to exhaust yourself doing a warm-up, which is what you're saying, Pete. You, you know, you're asking, well, I know for a 5K you'd warm up, but in a marathon, it's a bloody long way, 26.2 or more 
distance, what would you what would you do? So I think you've got to factor those into it. But the other thing is, for those runners who are um, less experienced with marathons or not as developed as a runner, and you will know whether that's you or not, if your easy pace is like your marathon pace, which it might be, it might actually be the same or very, very similar, then I certainly wouldn't be thinking about warming up like separately. I would just try to take things maybe that little bit slower in the first half a mile, mile, maybe more than you would normally do. But the, because the paces are very similar, you, you probably don't need to worry about it as much. You don't really need to warm up. You do it in the race. So I, I think that's where I sit with that. You've got to f- sort of explore yourself a little bit. I mean, to give you an idea of what a warm up would look like, what works for me is just a very, very, very super easy, like five minute jog, no, no more than. Like really, I'm talking like, just raise the heart rate a little bit, just plod, like literally shuffle. Um, it's just to warm the muscles. And then I do a little bit of stretching. Not a lot. I don't do crazy stretches. I do a little bit and I'll probably hold each stretch of the major muscle groups for about 10 seconds. Nothing crazy because I want to keep the muscles switched on. I don't want to switch them off. So that's what I do. Um, I then do another maximum five minutes, but I start off at my normal easy pace. And then by the end of that five minutes, maybe in the final minute, I might get somewhere near my projected marathon pace. So the marathon pace, my target, I might get somewhere near that. I'm, I'm trying to shock my body less. So when I start off in the race, I'm good to go. Mm. My body's not thinking, hang on a second, what are you doing, mate? You've just, this, is, <laughs> this is too fast. I'm not ready. Calm down, lad. <laughs> You're never going to sustain this. So I'm just trying to bridge that gap a little bit. So once that's all done, obviously you set off and you're on. And um, that's what happens. Now, my only experience of a marathon was in under marathon conditions, but I was only running quarter of it. So that was okay. That was fine. And I just remember setting off and thinking, actually, this is the nicest I've ever felt running because there are crowds there and everything feels good. But it's like, even if, I mean, I'm quite... I'm quite, believe it or not, quite an introvert anyway, so I don't really like crowds particularly, <laughs> but they weren't intimidatingly close. It was quite nice. It was a really nice atmosphere. And, um, and and just as far as, like, mindset stuff is concerned, during the actual marathon, I mean, you go through, you know, having only done quarter of one, I can imagine it's much worse than four times worse because you, you're going to levels that you probably have never been to before not particularly in training runs because you've not done your 26.4 26.6 27 miles or whatever it is um you know what 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 how do you how do you deal with the ups and downs and the mindset of it all well a lot of that comes from training i mean you know this is the 11th hour now so there's not much you can do now to really condition that which I'll, I'll come on to what you can do but just quickly in training and this is worth bearing in mind for future stuff putting yourself under stress not just physical stress but kind of mental stress is actually there's a benefit there now you don't want to completely crumble under all this pressure mm. you don't want to put yourself under so much pressure you fall out of bloody love with running and you've had enough and you're beating yourself up because that's gone too far but as Josie Perry said to us when she was on the podcast the sports psychologist Putting yourself under stress safely in sessions of adversity, that could simply be running a boring course or running a hilly course and you're doing a flat race or running into the headwind deliberately. You know, whatever it means to try and put you under that, to put you in that situation where you're up against it, really strengthens you. It gives you that Mm. psychological resilience. That's something I've been working on a lot. 
So that's a positive thing and that can really help in training. But in a day, I think knowing that you're going to have those natural highs and lows are key. I think you have them in all distances, actually, Pete. Certainly in my experience and from speaking to all the runners, coaching other runners. But just the nature of the marathon, because it's so long, you potentially have more of those highs and lows, obviously. And I guess potentially they could be bigger. Certainly the lows could be bigger because it's such a long time, isn't it, that you're out there for versus a 10K or even a half marathon that I think, especially if you have that sinking feeling quite early on, which is possible, it's quite hard to to come out of it. It's quite hard to combat it and overcome it. I think trying to stay a little bit in the moment is probably one of the best ways. And I say a little bit in the moment because you can't be literally, you know, for most people, it's very difficult to literally just focus on, although we hear it, focus on one step at a time. I think that's quite hard. But try not to project too far in the future. Try not to think about, oh, I'm a mile six. I'm finding this a bit sticky and I've got just another 20 miles to go. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just not a good place to be. So try to just focus on what you're doing in the here and now. I mean, there's many examples I can give you, which I won't, but one that springs to mind to share with you is Amsterdam 2015. We've all got race stories, haven't we? And I remember that was probably, that. interestingly, that was actually my fastest marathon. So although 2010 was my PB, Amsterdam 2015 was my fastest marathon, but I just ran further, which is what we're talking about, isn't it? Which is why we say, make sure you work out your pace based on a, running a bit more than 26.2. But I remember getting to about, it was about nine or 10 miles. So, you know, you're not really into it, are you? Nine or 10 miles, a long way to go. And I remember thinking, I'm running along the river, along the canal. I'm thinking, this is going to be a tough day at the office. My legs are feeling tired already, you know? And if I let myself, I could have really had that sinking feeling and like really gone under. And I just focused on the body, focused on relaxing, focused on relaxing the mind, tried to stay within effort. So not, you know, pace wise, I was focused on matching it with effort. How does it feel? Am I pushing too much? And, and sure enough, it was a great race. So you, you, sometimes when you have these sticky moments, it doesn't tell you precisely, it doesn't truly reflect what the outcome of the race might be. It's just this period that you're going through in that moment. Is there a point in the marathon distance which becomes, generally speaking, I know everyone's different, but generally speaking, really bloody difficult? And I'm just thinking about people who haven't run marathons yet and they're running one at the weekend or whenever in the next few weeks. And um, if they get to that point, whatever mile that is, and they go, I'm, I've, I can't take it anymore. Well, is there, is there anything you can, is there any like, does that generally happen? And then you get over that. I can share my experience. Um, through my experience, I would say 18 miles. If I if if you if you push me to give an actual number, obviously hard to do, isn't it? There's going to be various points that are difficult, and and it makes sense that obviously the further into the race you go, the harder it's going to be. Of course. But I think 18 miles, and I t- I tell you why I say that. I think at 18 miles, it's the point where your body starts to become like so reliant on fuel and it's struggling to process that fuel you know you've ran 18 miles and if you haven't really fueled properly in in the lead you know throughout those 18 miles i think it can start to come back to bite you around that point you know you, 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 that's the point where you can start to feel like you're running on fumes okay i'm running out of energy here oh my gosh maybe i have a gel and, and you've almost missed that moment by that point you know you, you don't want to get to that point so it goes back to the whole nutrition strategy but the other reason i say that 18 miles is really significant and it's and it's it's almost a point to be aware of and look out for is because you've run 18 miles but you've still got over eight miles left to run like <clears throat> and, and for most people for most people pete 
and, and of course, you know, super quick runners, really talented club runners and whatnot, they, they would cover, obviously they cover much more distance than, than people that are not as fast. Mm. But for most runners, I don't think they cover sort of eight miles as like a typical run for most runners. Do you know what I mean? It's yes, like yes. if I go out and do like a typical 50 or 60 minute easy run, I don't cover eight miles in just a normal easy run. So you can't almost help your mind by saying, oh, well, this is just like my regular Wednesday night run now. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just eight mm. miles. Eight. I can visualize running around home for eight miles because it's, it's more than that. And it can be overwhelming. Whereas a lot of people talk about 20 miles and it makes sense. You get to 20 miles and, you, oh, you know, that's when the race begins. A lot of experts say it's it's two races or the race starts at 20, mm. all this sort of stuff. I think when you get to 20 miles, like 6.2, while it is obviously physically more challenging than being at 18 because you've ran a further two miles, you can sort of get your head around the fact it's a 10K. It's just the like, 10K. Yeah, do, yeah, do you know what I mean? 10K. It's like... Yeah. I, I say I'm playing it down, but you know what I mean by that? Obviously, it's a 10K and you're bloody shattered. Yeah. But you can sort of visualise the route you do at home and you can start to try to piece it together and, you you know, you've broken that 20 miles as well. So you're really kind of on the, not fully home straight, but, you know, you're, <laughs> you're really you on your there. way now. Yeah. You get in there. So I think, and normally around that point, for most people, I think you're probably you know, you may have one more gel to take or something like that for most people. And that's quite a nice point as well. I always find that if you've got a nutrition strategy, let's say it's gels you're taking. Once I have my last gel, I really like that because it's quite a significant moment because leading up to that point, you're thinking about when you're having your gel, where am I wasting energy? Am I running well? Am I running too quick? Am I sticking to the blue line? When's my next gel? When's my next gel? I don't want to miss it. Looking at the time, looking at the distance. And then once you've had your last one, it's like, well, that's it, done. I'm not carrying any more gels. That's it. I'm not having any more gels. We're done. Now it's just like, right, this is going to get me to the finish line now. That's it. So it's, you know, it really is game on. So I think for those reasons, for me, 18 miles is more challenging than 20, which is a strange thing to say. I can understand that, absolutely. And I can imagine it's certainly more challenging than 25 because <laughs> you're nearly there. So it's a mind absolutely. game, isn't it, to some extent? Yeah, massively. And you did mention the last gel there, and I do remember, obviously, I saw you in Manchester when things went a bit a bit awry, I suppose, really. if it, What would you say to anybody who's at that point, and right now they'll go, no, that won't be me, that won't be me because I've got my strategy, I've got my fueling strategy in place. But when it comes to that, you know, 20-mile mark or whatever it is, and you go, oh, I've, I've got my last gel. But and do you know what? I'll be all right without it. Well, look, we've spoken a lot today. We've touched on nutrition strategy a lot. So it is very, very important when you're covering the marathon distance, tackling it, because it is a beast and you've got to fuel it. Your car doesn't run on fumes. Body's the same. Got to fuel it. And hopefully by now you have your nutrition strategy in place. We said go back, check over it, understand your timings, when are you having a gel or whatever you're having. But while I think it's important not to change it, I think it's important to be open to adapt because you may need to during the race. Like, you know, I say to, to Martina, look, when you're having your next gel, let's work it out. Especially when we did Goodwood 20 Mile yesterday because it, 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 we were doing bits of threshold and stuff and we didn't want to be having a gel during that harder paced running. So we needed to get the timings right. But, and I said this to Martina, I said, but actually, you know, don't take them at all costs if you're feeling sick or if there's, you know, obviously if there's a, an actual problem, you've got to listen and respond to that. You know, the same with like hydration. Don't just drink because you've said to yourself, I'm going to drink. 300 mil of water at every water station as an example. I mean, you know, you, d- you don't want to do that. A lot of people will say kind of trust thirst a little bit and just try to be just ahead of thirst. But 
don't make the mistake I made. Well, I just thought I'd be okay. It wasn't because I felt sick. I just thought I'd be okay. And I just, Mm. and I think because you don't think as clearly, you're so exhausted at that point, the later stages of a marathon, that you, you, how can you think clearly? It's it's quite hard actually. And there's so much going on. And usually that's where the crowds are really thick and fast because you're nearing the end now and and all this sort of stuff. It's very hard to make really logical decisions, especially when you're under like super stress, physical stress, emotional stress, all that stuff. Uh, That's why it's important to have that game plan in place and just like stick to it I learned my lesson I mean I wouldn't like in Valencia in Manchester I know what I'm going to do with the gel strategy and I'm just going to stick to that irrespective the only time I'll deviate is if I feel unwell or sick or you know any if anything like that I think that's good advice and I just think that you know in the cold light of day you're probably thinking straighter about your fueling strategy than you are when you're absolutely knackered after 22 miles you know at the end of the day you're going to do everything you can to have the best experience possible but just trust the process. You know, I know it's coining a phrase, but trust the process. Enjoy the moment. You are going to take part in an amazing event, whether it's London or another one around the world. And you're going to learn something not only about yourself, but about your training, about things that work well for you when it comes to marathons, things that don't work so well. And you'll just use all that wonderful information to help you in the future. And that's the beauty of running and racing marathons and that's why a marathon is absolutely my favourite distance I mean who would run that distance <laughs> who would who would do that who would even consider going that distance without a motor vehicle which is what's wrong what's wrong with which you which is why you are the producer of the podcast <laughs> unfortunately yes. not the host <laughs> <laughs> yes it is Let's keep it that way, eh? Have a fantastic experience in the London Marathon this weekend. I'm so excited for all of you. If you're doing another marathon, then get supercharged and fired up washing the London Marathon, ready for you to have your day, which you will. Stay safe, as I always say, that's so important. And let's keep running. Oh, and one more thing. Winning doesn't always mean first place. It means... Getting the best out of yourself.